I want his presence this morning. His presence is here. His presence is here this morning. While we're in his presence this morning, I want to release a blessing over you, your family, your loved ones. I just want you to lift your hands to the Lord and receive it wherever you are. If you're watching online, wherever you are, just lift your hands to the Lord and just receive this blessing. I want to release it over you. Hallelujah. I decree over your life, even right now, in the name of Jesus, that you are blessed and that you can't be cursed. For Christ, he has redeemed you from the curse. I therefore decree over your life that you are blessed coming in. You are blessed going out. You are blessed in the city. You are blessed in the field. You are above only. You are not beneath. You are the head. You are not the tail. You are the lender. You are not the borrower. In Jesus' mighty name, blessings and favor are your portion. Good things are about to happen to you. I therefore decree over your life that no weapon, no witchcraft, no voodoo, no sorcery, no evil intent, no purpose, plot, plan, or scheme of the enemy, no sickness, no infirmity, no disease, and no virus that is formed against you will be able to prosper. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name, you are blessed and you can't be cursed. God is about to cause walls of opposition to come crumbling down around you. God is about to cause shackles to be broken off of you. God is about to cause his favor to come upon you in a supernatural way. His goodness, his mercy, and his unfailing love is following you right now, even all the days of your life in Jesus' mighty name and everything that you do and put your hands to. In this season, it shall prosper, flourish, grow, and be successful in Jesus' mighty and matchless name. You are blessed and you can't be cursed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you agree with that, just say amen. Give Jesus a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I want you to turn somebody next to you and I just want you to tell them you are blessed and you can't be cursed. Amen. 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 And why don't you tell somebody you sure do look good this morning. Amen. Can't get a compliment in the house of God, you're in trouble. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Glory. Amen. 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 To God be the glory. Amen. 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 Everybody good this morning? Blessed? You look it. Amen. 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 Welcome. Welcome everyone that's here, well, all those watching online, I want to welcome you to the love of Jesus. My wife and I, Pastor Tanya, we greet you, we love you, and um, glad that you tuned in today, glad that you joined us for worship, amen. So, and to all of our first-time visitors, so happy that you came and fellowship with us. Thank you so much for being here. We love you guys, we welcome you back anytime you want to, amen. If you don't have a church home, it is a great place to be, to God be the glory. And yes, I'm a little biased. <laughs> Amen. 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 All right. We're going to get we're going to get right down to business. Get to the word of God. You guys ready for the word? Oh, yeah. Amen. 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 If you need a Bible, raise your hands. We'll come around. We'll make sure you have one. If you have your Bibles, you can just turn to second Peter really quick. Chapter one. We're going to read verses 12 and 13. Hey, good morning. Bless you. <laughs> I love that your your mask match your your bonnet. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it looks awesome. <laughs> That's how you do it. Coordinate it. There you go. I love it. All right. So let's get down to the to business. You know, I want to share something with you that I had on my heart. You know, um, oftentimes when I'm just kind of studying the scriptures, you know, I don't I don't 
I don't study the scriptures just to preach a message. You know, I study it for myself because I need to hear the I need the word of God in me all the time. So usually as I'm studying, you know, God will give me something. I'm like, oh, that needs to become a message. I need to share that. And this is kind of what happened with this particular message. So I want to get into this because, you know, sometimes, you know, we can be doing, you know, a lot of things right. You know, and then some, you know, thing that we're doing wrong can be hindering us from God's best in our life. You know, so I want to kind of talk a little bit about that today because God really put this on my heart. That a lot of people battle with this and it needs to be removed if you want to receive the fullness of what God has for you. Can you say amen? So, um, in fact, let me just um, instead, let's just go to Psalms chapter 130 and we'll just jump into this. All right. You guys ready? Psalms chapter 130, verses 3 through 4. I saw this in the message translation, and it, it blessed my socks off. I said, my God, this is good. And um, it says there in the message version, it says, If you, God, kept records on wrongdoings, who would stand a chance? My God, man. Man, if, you, if, if, if God was just up there, you know, just kind of, Every time you messed up, he was keeping in his record books, you know, keeping a record of our wrongdoings, <laughs> all of the crazy things that we do, that we say, that we think, you know, and he was just kind of keeping a record, just like, oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> just kind of keeping a record on us, you know. If God kept records, my God, of wrongdoings, who, could stay, who would be able to stand a chance? You know, as holy as we think we are sometimes, <laughs> you know, if God put on that screen, you know, some crazy thing that we did this week, we wouldn't be able to find a hole deep enough to crawl into. <laughs> Everybody here, me included, all of us, if God kept records of wrongdoings, man, who could, who could stand a chance? But I love this because it says, as it turns out, forgiveness is your habit. God. Does it have the message up there? Don't have the message up there. We need to get the message because it's so good in the message. It says, as it turns out, forgiveness is your habit. And that's why you're worshipped. I love that. See, God has a habit. He's made a habit out of, you have to. To deal with us, you gotta make it, you gotta make it a habit. You know what I'm saying? We All the crazy things we do and say sometimes, messing up, you know, all that stuff, man. If he if it wasn't his habit, we'd be in trouble. None of us, not one of us would be able to make it in, you know. <laughs> As it turns out, forgiveness is your habit. And it says, and that's why you're worshipped. I love that. And, you know, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, which means that you can depend on him. And he is just to forgive us of our sin, and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I love that. I love that. I love that. And I just wrote here, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm extremely grateful that God has a habit of forgiveness. My God, man. Again, I don't know about you, but I need God's forgiveness on a daily basis. You know, not just once in a while. Every day. I need, his, I need it every day. Multiple times a day. <laughs> Some of the things I think, you know. Some of the things I, you know, do say, you know, like, I know I got to get saved behind the wheel. 
I'll be rolling uh, down, down 280, 80. Somebody cut me off. You know, you ever pulled up next to somebody and gave them the, I call it the ice grill. <laughs> you ever mean mug somebody? <laughs> you know, like you pull up real slow, you just go. <laughs> you ever done that? I wouldn't say I did, but, uh, <laughs> but I'd be lying if I say I didn't. <laughs> but, you know, you know, it, it, it happens, you know. But I thank God, you know, I'd be like, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, forgive me, Lord, you know. Thank God that he has a habit of forgiveness. And I said, I think I can speak for everyone when I say that we all fall short and we need God's grace and mercy on a regular basis. And I think we can all agree that we're just happy about the fact that <laughs> his mercy is new every morning. It's everlasting, you know, it don't end, you know, no matter how much we mess up, he's still ready to forgive. I'm so grateful for that. And I put, if he did, we wouldn't stand a chance. But I thank God that he doesn't keep records or wrongs. And like the scripture states, if we confess our sins, he is both faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And that just means that when we confess our sins, we can count on the fact that he will both forgive and forget our wrongdoings. You know, the Bible says as far as the east is from the west is as far as he has separated our sins from us. It's cast into the sea of forgetfulness. You know, he's not, he's not keeping records. He gets rid of it immediately, right, when we confess. You know, and that's why it's so important that we confess. You know, I always tell people, you know, when you do something, when you do something wrong, when you mess up, don't plead your case. Just plead guilty and plead the blood. Amen? You know, oh, I only did it because so-and-so. She didn't say that to me. I wouldn't have did it. If this didn't happen, I wouldn't have did it. You know, stop pleading your case. Just plead guilty and plead the blood. That's it. When you do that, he says, he will, he will erase the transgression from me. He will get rid of it, and you can go on. Can you say amen? amen. And, um, you know, so that's just a beautiful thing about God. And, um, but before you get too happy, because <laughs> that's, that's, that's good that God does that. But I want you to understand that God also wants forgiveness to be our habit. Thank God is his habit, and we don't have to worry about it, but he also wants it to be our habit. Can you say amen? amen. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 15. And see, I'm going to make this very clear and plain. Like I said, sometimes we can be doing things, most things right. You know, you can, be, you can love God, you can believe, you can be believing God, you can be standing on the word and stuff like that, quoting scriptures and all that carrying on, and, um, you know, and just have that, that thing that you just, you ain't got right. And it could be hindering you from receiving God's best. Now, Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 15, this is the scripture where Jesus begins to teach his disciples how to pray. Not necessarily what to pray, but how to pray, right? He gave them a structure for prayer, right? Now, we've all, you know, coined this scripture, the Lord's Prayer, you know, and we always, and we've learned it when we were kids. How many of you, how many of you prayed the Lord's Prayer before? Our Father. How many of you prayed to our Father? Right? Most of us, right? You learn it when you're a kid, and you, you pray it, right? But Jesus was giving them essentially, um, he was giving them 
a process, you know, a description of how you should pray, not necessarily what you should pray. Can you say amen? But he says, when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. In other words, don't repeat the same thing over and over and over and over again, right? He says, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. And he says, be ye not therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask them. And he goes on to say, after this manner, see, not, not pray this exactly all the time, but after this manner, this is the way that you ought to pray, right? After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven. Now, I can really get into all this. I'm not going to take my time and break down this, this prayer, but it's beautiful if you really break all of these parts down. But he says, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Now, I want you to listen to this. This is what I want to get to. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Put a pen right there, and I'm going to come back to that in one moment, okay? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen, right? Then he finalizes this, and he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now, let me get into this for a minute. Now, everybody was happy when I was talking about God's, <laughs> you know, it was his habit to forgive, you know. <laughs> but I just asked you, like, how many of you prayed the Lord's Prayer, right? Almost everybody's hand went up, right? And um, if you have, did you realize that literally, right, that you literally, you, right, as you pray, literally ask God to forgive your sins in the same way that you forgive others their sins. That's what you asked him. Right? If you prayed that, that's exactly what you said. You said, forgive us our debts as, as or like or just like we do, forgive others. I want you to forgive me like I forgive other people. That's what you're asking. Did you realize that? Okay. <laughs> Tell the truth, right? Now, I suppose that would be a good thing if you're a type of person that's quick to forgive others their wrongdoings. That'd be a great thing, right? But if you don't, do you really want God to answer that prayer? See, we can't be ignorant with the way we pray. We need to understand what we're asking when we ask. Again, what you're literally saying is, God, forgive me like I forgive other people. Just like that. I want you to forgive me like I forgive other people when they do me wrong. Would you do that for me, God? <laughs> right? <laughs> now, again, that could be a dangerous request because most people want revenge and judgment when someone wrongs them. They don't want, they don't want mercy. They don't want to give people mercy. They want judgment. They want punishment. I want you to pay, you know, for what you did to me. Is that what you want from God? You see, again, most people want mercy, but they don't want to be merciful. And it's easy to condemn someone for their faults, but we don't want God to condemn us for our faults. I'm opening up something, but I'm doing it for a reason. Because I want us all to get our hearts clean if we have unforgiveness in it. Because, again, this can be something that is holding you back 
from what God really wants to bless you with. Just the fact that you are living in unforgiveness. And you can't release somebody that has done something to you. Now, I'm also mentioning the fact that at the end of the prayer, Jesus does not forget to mention that if you forgive others, then God will forgive you. But if you don't, neither will your father be able to forgive you. Now, for me, that's 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 dangerous. Because, again, I think we all just said that we mess up on a regular basis. <laughs> and we are looking for forgiveness and we are looking for mercy on a regular basis. So I don't need, you know, my mercy held up because I refuse to extend mercy. I don't want my forgiveness held up because I'm living in unforgiveness. And I put, remember, you have a ticket to heaven because you've been forgiven. That's the only reason why you have a ticket to heaven. You've been forgiven. Not because of anything you've done. All you had to do was to accept what Jesus did. Right? And when you did that, you got a ticket to heaven because you've been forgiven. Your prayers are heard and answered because you've been forgiven. The only reason why we can stand before God without the feeling of guilt or shame is because we've been forgiven. That's why the Bible says we can come boldly before his throne of grace and we can ask for mercy when we fail. And grace to help us in a time of need. But the only reason why we can do that is because we've been forgiven. God's favor rests on your life because you've been forgiven. If you're not forgiven, you lose all that. With that being said, God also wants us to make a habit out of forgiveness. Well, everybody was happy just like five minutes ago. I mean, not even five minutes ago, everybody was happy. It was like, oh, yeah, pastor, preach that. Yes, God has a habit of forgive. Thank you for forgiving me, Lord. <laughs> now, I'm telling you, you got to forgive. Now, everybody looked like they want to throw stones at me. <laughs> I'm going to help you today. If you have ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying, I'm going to help you today. My mama says she got my back, so you try to stone me, she's going to jump on you. <laughs> so I want you to give, so Mark chapter 11, verses 22 to 26. And this is Jesus speaking, not some preacher, right? This is Jesus speaking. In Mark 11, chapter 22, verse 26, Jesus replied, have faith in God. And I like the way the Amplifier says, it says, have faith in God constantly. It goes on to say, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart and God's unlimited power, but believes that what he says is going to take place. It will be done for him in accordance with God's will. And he says, for this reason, I'm telling you, whatever things you ask for in prayer, in accordance with God's will, believe with confident trust that you have received them, and they will be given to you. Oh, yeah, you like that, right? How many of you like that? That's good, right? Oh, man, you know? Whatsoever things I ask for in prayer, believe I receive, and I'm going to have them. Lord God, I believe I receive a new car in Jesus' name. I'm going to have it in the name of Jesus. I believe I receive a new 
apartment. I believe I receive a new house. In Jesus' name, I shall have it in the name of Jesus. Right? Right? And that's good, right? You believe you receive, you're going to have it, right? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You, you like that. And see, this is where most people stop. But this is not where Jesus stops. <laughs> he continues <laughs> by giving us the last ingredient. When he says, and when you stand and praying, now here you are getting ready. You stand, you pray in prayer, believe in God. God, I believe I receive it in Jesus' name, right? Whenever, when you're standing praying, you speaking to these mountains, you asking for God for things and stuff like that. You telling them mountains to be cast into the sea and all that stuff, you know. And you believe in God for your new house, your new car, you know, whatever. When you stand there doing all of that, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Drop the issue and let it go. Why? So that your father who is in heaven will also forgive your transgressions and wrongdoings against him and others. But if you don't forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive you your transgressions. So why are you doing all of that stuff? You naming it and, and claiming it, you know? You confessing. You know, you're releasing your faith. Doing all those things that people tell you to do, right? When you're doing all that, before you, before you finish, <laughs> make sure that if you got something in your heart against somebody, you forgive them. Because if you don't do that, you just waste your time doing all the other stuff. <laughs> you just waste your breath naming it and claiming it. And asking God things and releasing your faith, you just waste your time. While you're standing there in prayer, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, release them. Let it go. And then you can do all that stuff. <laughs> and then you'll see results. See, see, I'm trying to get you somewhere, right? Because a lot of people, they're believing God for things. They get no results. And, you know, they, they start saying, well, it ain't true. It ain't real because I've been believing God for 15 years. I ain't got nothing yet. Whatever, you know. Do you have unforgiveness in your heart? That could be a reason. Are you holding something against someone? Have you not released somebody that did something to you? I know they may have hurt you. But did you release them? If you haven't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you're wasting your time. You're in prayer, you're doing all that stuff. I never forget. <laughs> you know, God taught me the lesson of forgiveness, right? God, God will teach you things, you know. Now, here I am, you know, me and my wife, we had this blow up, right? Now, you know, me and Pastor Tanya will be married 19 years next month. That's something. 19 years. My God, man. But, you know, every once in a while, we still get into it, <laughs> you know. So one day we got into it, Right? And I get in my car, and I start driving, you know. And, you know, I'm trying to pray. You know, I'm trying to pray to God, right? And it felt cold in that car. And I'm not talking about because it was no heat on. <laughs> I'm talking about, like, the presence of God was nowhere to be found. And I'm like, what's, like, what's happening, you know? So, you know, God spoke to me in his mercy. He says, your prayers are not reaching the roof of this car, let alone heaven. He says, now you need to call your wife and apologize to her. I said, what? I didn't, I didn't do nothing wrong. <laughs> it was her. She should be apologizing to me, right? <laughs> but 
but I probably was wrong. But anyway, <laughs> he said, you better, apo-, you know, you got to apologize to her. Your prayers ain't going to reach no- nowhere until you apologize. I call on the call. I had to apologize. You know, I had to, you know what? I heard one time somebody say it's better to eat a spoonful of dirt than have a whole truckload of it dumped on you. So I had to eat humble pie. I had to eat a spoonful of dirt and apologize even when I didn't feel like it. And I didn't think I was wrong. Why? Because my prayers were being hindered because I was not in forgiveness. And I had to deal with that before I could get God's ear again. And can you imagine here, you, you know, people living unforgiveness for years, man. I mean, just years. And I'm not free. I refused. What they did to me, I never, you know. And then you wonder why you can't get what you're believing for from God. Now, you love God. He loves you. But he's not going to violate principles. And he says, if you don't forgive them, I can't. I can't forgive you. I'm going to help somebody today. I'm going to keep giving you scriptures because I don't want you to think I'm talking about this. This I didn't make this up. So I'm going to give you the scriptures, right? Turn to Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through, 20, through 35. Now, again, this is Jesus speaking. Now, here it is. Peter came to him and asked, well, you know, Lord, how many times will my brother sin against me and I forgive him and let him go? Seven times? So you try to be spiritual because <laughs> seven is the number of spiritual, you know, perfection and completion. Right. So he says, shall I forgive him seven times? You know, be spiritual about it. And Jesus answered him. I say to you, not to seven times, but 70 times seven. My God. <laughs> my, my God, man. <laughs> you do know he sinned against me, right? <laughs> 70 times seven. My God. And then Jesus gives him a parable. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he began accounting, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But because he could not repay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and his children and everything he possessed and payment to be made. Can you imagine how much debt you got to be in for 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 you to be sold, your wife to be sold, your kids to be sold and everything you have to pay the debt? Can you imagine (laughs) how much debt are you in (laughs) to have your whole family and everything you own sold? Now, this guy has a debt, obviously, that he can't pay. Obviously. He's about to lose everything. Him, his family, everything. And the Bible says, so he fell on his knees and he begged him, saying, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And the Bible says, and his master's heart was moved with compassion. And the Bible says, and he released him and forgave him, canceling the debt. You don't, don't worry about it. You don't owe me nothing. Don't worry about it. You don't owe me anything no more. Has compassion on him. And you think, you know, he would, after all this happens, he would have a real heart of forgiveness, right? How, man, my master let me go. I owed him my whole life. I owed him everything, man. I owed him me, my children, my wife, everybody was going to get sold. <laughs> Jesus, man. And he says, but the same slave went out, found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii. I'm going to give you the breakdown on these number calculations in a minute so we can see the difference, right? And the Bible says, and he seized him and began, he seized him by the throat and began choking him. (laughs) 
saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow slave fell on his knees and he begged him earnestly, saying, have patience with me and I'll repay you. Same thing he did. But the Bible says, but he was unwilling. And he went and he had him thrown in prison until he paid back the debt. My God, man. Now, see, Jesus, I want you to, Jesus is going somewhere with this because he always uses, you know, a natural thing to teach a spiritual principle. And he goes on to say, when, he, when his fellow slaves saw what happened, they were deeply grieved. And they went and reported to their master what, with clarity and detail everything that had taken place. And then his master called him and said to him, you wicked and contemptible slave. I forgave all that great debt of yours because you begged me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave who owed you little by comparison? And, ha and had mercy on you? as I have mercy on you. And in wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers or the jailers until he paid all that he owed. And now this is how Jesus ends, ends it. My heavenly father will also do the same to every one of you if each of you does not forgive his brother from the heart. Now let's just kind of break this down just a little bit, just so that you can see these comparisons, right? Now, of course, in the story, you know, Jesus is this human king, right? This master. And we are the servants that had a huge debt that we couldn't pay because we were born into sin and we were in the sins that we committed. And the Bible says this man owed 10,000 talents, which may be the equivalent of about $10 million as I began to do the as I began to do like the calculations on it. With that being said, there's no way that this man could pay his debt. But he begs his master to forgive him, and he does. Forgives him the whole debt. So Jesus, being merciful, forgives the entire debt. Now he's free, which is exactly what happened to us. You know, we've lived, you know, we've lived in sin. We were born into sin. And one day, we all fell down at the knees of Jesus, and we gave our hearts to him. And just like that, he forgave all the debt. And then when we continue to mess up, he still forgives all the debt. But this same man again, after being set free from the debt that he couldn't pay, finds someone that owes him a debt. Someone that sinned against him. Someone that wronged him. Someone that mistreated him. But he takes him by the throat. And tells them, you're going to pay for this sin. But if you notice, this person's sin is a lot smaller than his own sin. By comparison, a hundred denarii, probably only about 20 bucks. But this man can't pay the debt, so he throws him in prison till he can pay the debt. And that's what we do to people when we don't forgive them. We put them in a prison. And they can't get out of the doghouse prison until we're satisfied that they paid the price for wronging us. Now, of course, I understand this feeling because I've been wronged, right? But Jesus expects us to forgive people like he forgave us. You're going to pay me what you owe. You treated me wrong. Now you're going to pay. 
and we throw them in prison. But really, all you really do is put yourself in prison because that's all that really happened. Once he did that, then he wound up having all that debt that he owed back on his account. And he found himself in prison, which is all we really do when we don't forgive other people. We just put ourselves in prison. All right, I know you you like, when is this message going to end? <laughs> but again, I'm trying to help you. And we all need to hear this, you know? I mean, because we always, you know, people people do things. And I get it. People do things. They wrong us, you know. They, they, we, they break our hearts, wound us, whatever, you know. And it's a real thing. It's real. There's, I'm not trying to downplay it. You know, it's, it's very real. And that's why oftentimes we need the grace of God to forgive. Because we can't, sometimes we can't forgive people for some things. It's, it's just too much, right? It, it, it's hard, too hard for us to do that. But with the grace of God, we can. I know. See, I, I know when I have not released somebody. Whenever, you know, if I see them or I hear their name, you know, it's like something just goes on on the inside of me. And I know I'm not all right. I'm not right with this person. <laughs> I'm not right with this person. I got to get it right. And I'd be like, God, help me. I don't want to be living and I forget. Help me forgive this person. Help me release them. You know, and then I know when I hear that person or I see them and I don't have that, you know, going on the inside of me, then I know that, all right, I'm, I'm good now. All right, I can, you know what I'm saying? Now, mind you, I'm not saying that when, when we talk about forgive, this doesn't mean that you, you continue a relationship. It doesn't mean that, oh, we're going to be best friends again. <laughs> you know, that's not what that means. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? You know. You release the situation, you let it go. Now you can go on. You don't have to continue to fellowship with that person. But you do have to release them. And again, you know it. When you got when you got unforgiveness on the inside of you, I mean this thing like when you like you could go into like a rage, like when you hear somebody's name or just see their face. I'm telling you, man, it's a crazy thing. And you know, as God heals you. It becomes less and less. But, you know, as I, if I feel that thing, I'm like, all right, God, I need your help. I need to release them. Let me go on. Now, turn to Job chapter 42, verses 7 through 10. Now, I don't know if you guys read the book of Job. Job can be a very depressing book. <laughs> If you're going through depression, never read the book of Job. <laughs> never, don't read the book of Job if you're battling with depression, right? But, but I mean, you just skip to the end, right? You don't want to read the whole thing. <laughs> but you know, you know, I mean, you're talking about somebody going through something. You're talking about, oh, I'm going through. Like, <laughs> this guy, man, I mean, he's the... You know, wealthiest man at the time, I mean, he loses everything. His whole family, all of his possessions, everything. And then if that wasn't, and you know, and so you know the story, but the devil goes before God, you know, and it tells, I mean, we learn a lot about God, you know, and a lot about the spirit world in the book of Job, right? We get, a, we get like a, we get a snapshot of what the spirit world looks like. 
But he said, you know, the Bible says that on the day that, that the sons of God, which speaks of the angels, were going before God, the devil shows up. Satan, right? He comes. He's, he comes reporting. He, he has to give a, that teaches us that the devil has to give a report of his activity. He's just not running down here like a loose cannon doing whatever he feels like doing. <laughs> like, you know, he don't come. You know, God says, what have you been doing, Satan? He ain't say, mind your business. I'll do what I want to do. He didn't do that. <laughs> you know, he wasn't up there talking junk to God. He was like, he gave a report of his activities. You know, I'm going, walking through and, you know, through, to and fro throughout the earth, walking up and down in it, you know. And he says to him, well, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth. And he says, well, you know, Job doesn't serve you for nothing. <laughs> he says, you know, you got a hedge of protection around him. See, you, have, you, you need to understand that you have a hedge of protection around you. The devil can't just jump on you when he feels like it. And he says, he got a hedge of protection around him. I can't get at him. And, you know, and God says, well, you know what? You can, you can touch his possession, but you can't touch him. Right? That's where it started. You can't touch him. So he takes everything that Job has. I mean everything, man. I mean all of his cattle, everything, gone. Family, gone, everybody, right? And then, you know, he's sitting down there, and he says, you know, I came in here naked. Naked I'll return, you know, to the womb. And he says, blessed be the name of the Lord, right? So then now next time, you know, the devil shows up again before God. <laughs> and he, he goes, they go through the same exercise, and he says, well, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth. And he still maintains his integrity, even though you moved me to put my hands on him. And he says, well, you know what? He says, that's only because you took his stuff. Now, you touch his body, it's over, man. He gonna, he'll, he'll curse you to your face. <laughs> and so he says, look, you can, you can touch his body, but you can't take his life. See, everything that, he was, that, he was, that was done to Job was allowed and had limitations. He couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't just do everything he wanted to do because the devil wants to kill you. You know, he don't want to just, he want to take you out. But God put boundaries on what he could do. So now, bottom line is, you know, here he is suffering, man. He breaks out with boils all over his body so bad that he breaks pottery. Can you imagine back then, thousands of years ago, he took a piece of broken pottery and he began to scrape himself, the sores on him with, with the broken pottery. That's how bad it was. And here he is suffering, man. And his friends, you know, come to him. His three friends come to him. And, you know, they're supposed to be comforting him. <laughs> and, I mean, they start telling him how, you know, you just need to repent. And you're so evil, you rob from the poor. You know, you don't help. I mean, like, I mean, they tell him all of this stuff about it. I mean, they just put him down for, 42, for 40 chapters. <laughs> I mean, 40 chapters. And then around the 40th chapter, God shows up. He begins to speak. Now, this, I'm just trying to catch you up, right? Now, chapter 42, verses 7 through 10. And it's saying, and it's, and it said, and it came about that after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, because God starts speaking to Job, you know, telling him about himself, that the Lord, he turns his attention, right? That the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, my wrath is kindled against you. And against your two friends. For you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. And he says, now therefore take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams. And go to my servant Job. And offer up a burnt offering for yourself. And listen to this. And my, serv and my servant Job 
will pray for you. I just want you to think about this. Now, they just have been treating him like a dog for 40 chapters. Now God tells Job, and I want you to pray for these guys so I will forgive them. And he goes on to say, for I will accept him and his prayer. Why? So that I may not deal with you according to your folly. Because you have not spoken to me the thing that is right as my servant Job has. And it says, so Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuite and Zophar the Namathite went and did as the Lord told him. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. So he has to pray for them so that God won't judge them for the things that they did. I may may just say, put some boils on them, God. (laughs) (laughs) Make them lose everything. (laughs) Let them sit around scraping themselves with pottery or something like that. But Job has to pray for these guys. I mean, like, can you imagine God asking you to do that? Like, you know, did you? I know you heard everything. (laughs) You heard what they were saying to me. I want you to judge these guys, man. I don't want to pray for them. But see, they, he, he, they, they could not be forgiven until Job prayed for them. Because he said, I'm not even going to accept their prayer. They can't even repent and I forgive them. You're going to have to pray for them because I'm not even accepting what they say. You're going to have to pray. And he has to intercede for them and stand in the gap for them so that God does not judge them. I'm talking about a hard thing. But he does. And then the Bible says in the very next sentence, the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. Not before. Here's Job. He still broke. (laughs) He still got, you know, probably boils on him or whatever, you know. And God said, I want you to pray for them. (laughs) You know. The moment that he does, the Bible says that the Lord restored his fortunes when he prayed for them. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. But it didn't happen until he prayed for his friends. Before that, nothing. See, I'm trying to get you to understand something about the power of forgiveness. See, I'm sure he probably never hung out with these guys again. I wouldn't have. (laughs) I'm saying, couldn't be my friends no more. (laughs) Do me like that. But he did have to forgive them. There's no way you can pray for someone effectively if you have not forgiven them. There's no way. So he has to release them. He has to let them go. And he has to ask God. Now, he doesn't even have to, not him. He has to ask God to forgive them. He has to forgive them. Then he has to ask God to forgive them so that they're not judged for their sins. But the Bible says that when he did do that, God restored his fortunes. Now, if you skip down to verse 12, it says, And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep. Now, if you look at this, you'll see that this is exactly two times as much as what he had before, if you read the first chapter of the book of Job. 
because in the beginning he had 7,000 sheep. Now he has 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels when he had 3,000 before, 1,000 yoke of oxen, he only had 500, and 1,000 female donkeys, which he had five before. So he has exactly two times as much as he had before. This is what you, we call double for your trouble. The Bible says double for your shame. And he had seven sons and he had three daughters. And then in verse 16 through 17, it says, after this, Job lived 140 years. After all, after, I don't know how old he was when all that stuff happened, you know. But he lives 140 years after that. And he ain't never attacked the devil like that ever again. And it says, and he saw his sons and his grandsons to the fourth generation. My gosh, his sons, his grandsons, his great-grandsons, his great-great-grandsons. He sees all of that. And it says, so Job died an old man full of days. My God, man. <laughs> but see, before he got there, he had to forgive his friends. He had to forgive them for what they did to him. He had to release them and let them go. And then his fortunes were restored. And then he had years added to his life. Then he had more children. Then he had, he saw his kids to the fourth generation. Right? And he died full of days, an old man, you know. He died from an overdose of living. <laughs> All right, you guys getting something out of this? I got, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get you guys somewhere. Okay. Turn to Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. Now, the theme is forgiveness, right? Now, this story, this is about Joseph. Joseph is probably one of my favorite, most favorite uh, Bible characters other than Jesus, you know? I love the story of Joseph. It's, 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 it's a story of, you know, tragedy and triumph, you know? Like, he, he really goes through, man, you know? So really quick, just to paint a picture, you know, as a young man, he's his father's favorite son. And his father, you know, favors him so much that he gives him this coat of many colors, you know. And his brothers, you know, they are envious of him. They're jealous of him, you know. And, and added to that, he's a dreamer on top of that. And he don't mind sharing his dreams. <laughs> And he tells his brothers about his dreams, and the Bible says that they hated him even more <laughs> after he told them their dreams. Because it was all dreams about them one day serving him, you know. And the Bible, one day, you know, the Bible says that his brothers are out, you know, taking care of the sheep and stuff like that. And his father says, I want you to go check on them, see how they're doing, right? And he goes, finds them. And before he even gets to them, he says, you know what? Here come this dreamer. Why don't, we, uh, why don't we kill him? And then we'll see what will become of his dreams. <laughs> and he gets, he gets to them, and the Bible says they throw him in a pit. They rip his coat of many colors off him, throw him in a pit. And the Bible says he, they sit down and they, they have lunch. Now, see, I, see I, I need, when we read the Bible, you know, God don't leave nothing out. 
and you have to really pay attention to what's happening. And you got to think about this. Like, how would you feel? Like, here's your brothers, man. They throw him in a pit. They sit down, they have lunch, and they start conversating about how they should kill him. And he's in this pit. Like, he can't get out. Yo, he's just down there, you know? You're talking about a sad, you know? And then, they, then you, know, you know, one of them says, you know, we shouldn't kill him. You know, he's our brother. You know, what we can do, we can sell him. Can you imagine that? We're going to sell him. So these Ishmaelites come by, slave traders, and they sell him to these guys. They pull him up out of the, the, the pit. Got to be screaming, crying. I would, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if you read it in the book of Psalms, they said that he was shackled. So you don't get the full picture when you just kind of, but he was shackled, you know. And the Bible says the iron got into his soul. They take him to Egypt, right? He's never been nowhere but his father's house. They take him out to Egypt, put him on some kind of a, you know, auction block. And these guys are like bidding on him, you know. So, you don't, you know, people don't think about the scriptures, you know, like what's happening because it just jumps. And it says, you know, he's here, you know. But something happened in between that time period. They don't have no cars, you know. So this is a long, grueling travel. It could have took weeks, months for him to get to where he was going. And now somebody, you know, this man named Potiphar buys him. And he becomes this man's a slave. Takes him to his house, you know. And he's a slave in this man's house. Now, thank God, God gives him favor with this guy named Potiphar. But I don't care how much favor you have. You don't want to be a slave in no, man, no other man's house. And you got, you got a family at home that loves you. A father at home that loves you. I mean, God made it bearable in the sense that he gave him favor in this man's house. But he's still a slave. And then, you know, he's doing his thing. You know, God gives him favor. And this man's wife looks at him and she, you know, she like, you know, be with me, lay with me, you know. And he rejects it, you know, so I can't do this thing and sin against God. And for all of his, you know, being upright and, you know, taking a stand for God, this woman accuses him of rape. And then he's thrown into prison. You're talking about, man, he's gone from stage to stage. Now he's in this prison cell. I want to tell you the whole story so that you can understand what's about to happen. And he goes through this whole process. He's in jail now as an accused rapist. You know, but God gives him favor in the jail. And he starts having favor with the guy that's in charge of the jail, right? And then these other guys are thrown into the jail. This chief butler and the chief baker of the pharaoh. And the Bible says he interprets their dreams. Right. So one of them is going to get out. And he says to the guy, you know, don't forget about me, man. You know, I did nothing to be here. You know, I've been taken from my land. You know, when you get out of here, help me. You know, guys, I got you, man. You know, <laughs> he gets out of prison, forgets about Joseph. <laughs> and the Bible says that he's he's down there for two full years after this. Two full. I love again the Bible. Two full years. 
24 months, two full years. Not about, full. <laughs> two full years, he's in this prison cell. Finally, Pharaoh has a dream, and nobody can interpret it. And he tells, you know, he, he's trying to figure out his dream. And finally, the guy says, oh, I forgot, man. This is guy in prison. When I was there, he interpreted our dreams for us. He probably could help you, you know. So they pulled Joseph out of prison. He comes up there. He interprets their dreams. Finally, he's released, right? He becomes the second in command of all of Egypt. Now he's in charge. To God be the glory, right? He's in charge of all of Egypt. And he interprets the dream and says, and for seven years, there's going to be nothing but abundance. It's going to be great. We're going to talk about them brothers in a minute. Seven years, there's going to be plenty. Then seven years, there's going to be famine. When those seven years of famine start, everybody in the world is starving. But because of the fact that Joseph came up with a plan to make sure that they had food, he began to stash food for those seven years of plenty. And only Egypt had food. So now his brothers, here they are, they're all starving. And his father says, you know, go get us some food in Egypt. And when they come to get food, they got to come to Joseph. But they don't know it's him. They don't know it's him because he's looking like an Egyptian now, man. I mean, he got, you know, he's in charge. He got it going on. They ain't seen him probably for like 14 years, by the way. They haven't seen him for about 13 or 14 years, they say. So he was probably about 17 when he left. Now he's 30. So it's been a long time before they see him. And now he's running everything. Now, finally, after he reveals himself to him, I'm going to get now down to the story. He reveals himself to him. I mean, these guys are scared, man. <laughs> these guys, I mean, Joseph is in charge of the most powerful nation in the world. The only person that's greater than him is Pharaoh. I mean, I mean this is the most powerful nation in the world. And he's in charge. When people start coming to Pharaoh and say, you know, this is happening, they say, what are you coming to me for? Go to Joseph. <laughs> and now here these guys are, right? Their father dies, and they start thinking, man, you know, he was only good to us because our father was still alive. <laughs> now we pick it up. Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. And it says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph carries a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? See, because as long as their father was alive, they probably figured, he's not going to kill us, man. It, you know, our father's not going to go for that. <laughs> he's dead now. So if he was like, if he was holding this grudge, he's like, now's the time. They say, what if Joseph carries a grudge against us? And he pays us back in full for all the wrong we did to him. I mean, because Joseph really, literally, at this point, can do anything he wants to them. I mean, he could arrest them. He could kill them. <laughs> he could put them in prison. He could sell them as slaves. He could do whatever he wants at this point. He got all the power now. He didn't have no power when they threw him in that pit. <laughs> he had no power then. But now he got all the power. I mean, because of him, they can eat. I mean, he put them in the best land, you know, that Egypt had to offer in Goshen. I mean, he's taking care of them, their kids, everything. 
And it says, so they sent word to Joseph saying, your father, listen to this, these lying things. <laughs> your father, your father, see your father, your, your father commanded us before he died saying, you are to say to Joseph, <laughs> these lying things. I beg you, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. <laughs> now here he is grieving over your father die, you know, and stuff like that. And they go, your father said to us to tell you. <laughs> forgive them, you know, for the stuff they did to you. And he says, now please forgive the transgression of the servants of, of the God of your father. <laughs> now listen to this, this is so beautiful. He says, and Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And then his brothers went and fell down before him in confession. And then they said, behold, listen to this, we are your servants. There's the dream coming true. They're all bowed down before him. We are servants. But Joseph said to them, listen to this, don't be afraid. For am I in the place of God? He says, am, am I God? See, only God can judge. A am I God? Am I in the place? Don't be afraid of me. Am I in the place of God? And the Amplifier says, vengeance is his, not mine. I like that. And he says, listen, as for you, you meant evil against me. Ain't no question about that. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present outcome that many people will be kept alive as they are this day. See, Joseph, he understood that he, that although, although his brothers were the, the vehicle, you know, God was the driver. God wanted him to be in, he needed to be in Egypt. Had he not been there, we would not be reading no stories about Israel. They would all died in the famine. Joseph had to be there. See, there's some place, I'm going to say this right now. There's some places that you are in life and you think that, you know, it's so horrible. But God has you there for a purpose because I always say this. God is the master chess player. He playing chess. Everybody else playing checkers. You know, God is thinking 10 moves ahead. He needed, he maneuvered him to Egypt. He had to be there. If he would have never been in that prison, he would have never met the people that can introduce him to Pharaoh. If he didn't meet that man, he would have never been in charge of Egypt. And if he would have never did that, he would have never been able to, you know, make sure that his family stayed alive. He pulled his whole family out of, out of um, Canaan that was starving. He pulled them all out, put them in Egypt in the best land. He gave them property. He gave them cattle. He gave them food to eat. He took care of all of them. He tells them, so now don't be afraid. Listen to this. I will provide for you and support you and your little ones. Take care of you and your whole family. So he comforted them, giving them encouragement and hope. And he spoke with kindness to their hearts. After they did all that to him, 
he had to be able to forgive them for that and then take care of them. Set them up, man. I mean, take care of them. So you wonder, you wonder, you wonder why certain people arrive in certain places. You wonder why certain people appear to be more blessed than others. Or why, you know, you, you, you wonder. See, God knew, for whatever reason, God knew that he could handle that. That he would, he would be able to forgive them for what they did and still be able to take care of them. Because God wanted all of Israel to be taken care of. And he knew that his brothers didn't have that heart. Almost like when God chose David instead of his other brothers. See, because God is looking at the heart. He's saying, who could, you know, this guy's going to go through some things. This young lady's going to go through some things. Can they, are they going to be able to, once they go through it, still be able to have a heart that forgives, that can maintain their integrity, that can stay upright? See, Joseph had to go through a lot of things. He could have slept with his, with his master's wife. He could have slept with her. Who would have known, right? Could have messed around with her. But he said, I can't do this thing and sin against God. Not, 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 not Potiphar. I'm not going to sin against God. Because God's going to be watching this. He's going to know. Nobody else in here may know, but, but God's going to know. See, be able to maintain your integrity. Being able to forgive. When you have the power. See, you know, this is one of the, uh, the, one of the definitions for meekness. Right. The Bible says concerning concerning Moses, that he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. Right. One of the words for meekness, see, meekness is not weakness. It's power under control. See, because he had the power to do what he wanted to to these guys, but he controlled that power and says, even though you did me wrong, I'm not going to I'm not going to pay you back for that. Now, I can I can do whatever I want to do to you right now. And not only does he know it, they know it. <laughs> they know he could do whatever he wants to do. But he forgives them. My God. And so with that, I'm going to say this to you. This is the question, the great question. Can you forgive those that hurt and betrayed you? This is the ultimate test for all Christians. The ultimate test, I believe. The forgiveness test. And it's actually the one test that will ultimately determine your success or your failure in life. The reason why is because unforgiveness is one of the major blocker of people's blessings. It blocks your blessings because your blessings are attached, again, to the fact that you've been forgiven. God has had mercy on all of us. For one purpose, because of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. And when we don't forgive others, we forfeit that. So you see how God will begin to move in your life when you begin to release people that have wronged you. Stop holding on to that stuff. Again, I know it's difficult. I know it's a challenge. And I know some people, you know, some people can really do you wrong. But at the end of the day, you know, God is saying, you must forgive them. This is not optional. This is, this is not, oh, I know they did you wrong. You ain't got to forgive that person. You know, no, you got to forgive. You got to forgive them. If 
You want the ear of God. See, for me, I'm like, nobody's worth that. I need God to hear my prayers. I need him to hear me. I need him to answer my prayers. I got too many things that I'm believing God for. And not one, you know, and you can be uh, in unforgiveness with somebody. They ain't even thinking about you. You know, they're home, you know, watching TV. <laughs> and you, you sitting there, you mad. They ain't thinking about you. You're watching TV, eating, you know, relaxing. You know, they're going on with their life, and here you are mad. <laughs> they ain't thinking about you. And that person is hindering you from receiving God's best. They ain't worth it, man. I just got to release those. Whoever did something, I just got to release them. I got to let them go. I can't. I can't. I can't. So I'll leave you with this scripture. I'm about to close. I just talked about David, right? This is one of the Psalms that he wrote, Psalms 109, verses 4 through 5. I'm going to read it in the Amplified, verses 2 through 5. Psalms 109, verses 2 through 5. It says, for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful are open against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. See, lying on me. Never had somebody lie on you? Talk bad about you, you know? They have also surrounded me with words of hatred. My God. And they fought against me without a cause. And he says, for in return for my love, they attack me. Now, in the King James, it says, but I give myself to prayer. I love that. They have repaid me evil for good and hatred for my love. This is the key. For all of this stuff they did to me, I give myself to prayer. So how do you, how do you be able to forgive people that have done things to you that are wrong? You give yourself to prayer. I know they treat God. I need your help, your grace. Even though they lied about me, talked about me like a dog, betrayed me, you know, did me wrong. I'm praying that you will give me the grace to forgive them, to release them. Because I know that that's what you require of me. You want me to forgive them. And so I release them because I understand that vengeance is not mine, it's yours. You will repay. You said, so if my enemy is hungry, I should feed him. If he's thirsty, I should give him something to drink. Because if I do that, you said, you will personally would heap coals of fire upon their head. You will deal with them. <laughs> you will handle them better than I ever could. Me, I go, I walk away clean. No unforgiveness in my heart, peace in my life, joy and rest because I have released those that have done me wrong. And I know that you'll handle it at the appropriate time. See, I give myself to prayer. Right? When I see that person, if I'm still angry with them, I, I go back into prayer. Help me forgive them. Give me the grace. I hear their name and it stirs me up. God, help me. Help me forgive those individuals. Soon, you know, the feeling will become less and less until it goes away. Then you can see them. You can hear their name and not be moved 
And then you know God has given you a heart of forgiveness. Now, again, that doesn't mean that no, we're best friends again. You know, we're going to hang out. That doesn't mean that. Right? You can go on and not have that type of fellowship anymore with them. But you still have to forgive. Can you say amen? Lift your hands to the Lord. We're going to close right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for everybody that's here, everybody that's watching online, everybody that may have a broken heart, everybody that may have had someone, we all have, that have done them wrong, that have betrayed them, that have wounded them, that have, you know, stuck a pearly knife in their back, betrayed them, talked about them, lied on them. We pray, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you will give everybody the grace to forgive those that have been enemies to them. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you will grant them the grace to forgive everybody that has broken their heart, everybody that has betrayed them and wounded them. Give them the grace to forgive them, to release them, to let them go free so that they themselves can go free. We don't want to put somebody in prison and end up in prison ourselves. We want to be free. And the only way we can stay free is if we forgive. Lord, we, we don't want to lose your forgiveness. We know that our, your ears are open to our prayers because we've been forgiven. That we're on our way to heaven because we've been forgiven. That your favor and your grace and your mercy is on our life. And we can speak to mountains and have them removed because we've been forgiven. So, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you grant us the grace to have a habit of forgiveness the way that you have a habit to forgive and father for it we just want to say thank you we bless you we give you praise we give you glory and we give you honor in jesus mighty name amen now listen if you're here today you're watching online you've never given your heart to the lord jesus and you want to do that i want to give you an opportunity to do so see it starts here you want to be forgiven for all of your sins, everything that you have ever done in your life. All you have to do is accept the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And all those sins of yours will be cast into the sea of forgetfulness. It will be separated from you as far as the east is from the west. If that's you, you've never given your life to Jesus. Or if you have already done so, but you're backslidden and you know you are and you want to get it right with God. If you're here, I ask you to stand. If you're watching online, you can stand wherever you are. And we'll just pray just one simple prayer together. Hallelujah. Let's just do that. Everybody, let's do that together. I want you to say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that you died for my sins. And you rose from the dead to make me right with God. Now, Heavenly Father, I accept the sacrifice of your son Jesus come into my heart help me to live for you all the days of my life in Jesus name amen amen come on let's just give Jesus a praise amen 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 well to God be the glory pray that you got something out of this message today I'm telling you it'll help greatly Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. All right. What we're going to do before we close, we're going to worship God with tithes, with offerings, with special giving. 
We're going to bless the Lord, and then we're going to get ready to, to close. I'll read this scripture to you real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6-12 in the New Living Translation. It says this, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And he says, you must decide in your heart according to the harvest that you would like to receive how much you want to give. And it says, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. So we don't nobody responding, you know, giving because they're pressured to give. And it says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Amen. And it says, if you do that, God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And it says, that's the will of God. As the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God, who is the one that provides seed for the farmer and bread for you to eat, in the same way, he will provide or he will multiply the seed that you sow. I think that's beautiful about God. See, God gives you seed to sow. He gives you bread for you to eat. And then he says, I will multiply the seed if you sow it. But see, what people do sometimes is they eat the bread. They take their seed, they eat that too. See, because you're supposed to sow your seed, you eat your bread. And he says, the seed that you sow, I'll multiply it. So there's some money that God gives you so that you can give, right? So that you can, you can get a harvest on that. And some money he gives for you to eat or you to take care of your personal responsibilities. That's how you keep God always involved constantly in your finances. Because we keep seed in the ground and we keep harvest coming back. Can you say amen? Tithes and offerings. You go on this envelope. You're going to write a check. You write it to the love of Jesus. You can give on your debit card. You can use our cash app at cash sign L-O-J-N-N. You can use our Givelify at love of Jesus of North Nork. And I'll mention this to you as well. We, we are coming up on our ninth church anniversary in two months. You believe that? September the 16th, 17th, and 18th. So September the 16th, we're going to, um, we're finalizing where we're going to have it as, but it's going to be really close to here. It's going to be a beautiful, you know, catering hall. It's going to be beautiful food. We're going to, we, we're going to dress in our best. You know, if you're a lady and you like wearing hats, it's the time for you to put hats on. <laughs> but we're going to get really, uh, we really jazzed up. It's going to be a beautiful night. And, um, you know, the food's going to be great, but that's going to be September the 16th. The 17th, we're going to have our cookout that we normally do in Stephen Crane. We're going to do a big cookout. We're going to have entertainment. My wife is trying to get me to get bouncy houses for the kids. <laughs> so we're going to see about that. <laughs> but it's going to be awesome. We're going to have such a fun time. It's always a fun time to do that. Um, and then the 18th, we're going to have a special guest ministry here on that Sunday. And we're going to do that. So I'm asking all of our people to help us, you know, to, if you can, and again, I mentioned this before, this is not an admission fee because anybody here that comes to this church can come to our anniversary. You don't have to give nothing to do that. But we ask to help us, right? And I'm asking everybody that can to sow 250 towards it. If you can't, don't worry about it. Or if you want to sow, you know, a little bit less, you could do that. But just help us because we're going to do a, uh, this anniversary bigger than we've ever done it. And it's going to be awesome. All right? So let's go ahead and worship God with tithes and with offerings. Amen. Um, you can take that offering basket. You can just kind of go around. If you got an offering to give, he'll come around and he'll just, you can just drop it in the basket. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Amen, amen, amen. To God be the glory. Have you guys been looking at our Let's Talk program? You've been checking it out? Yeah? You guys been getting blessed by it? <laughs> I think this one was really good, you know. Uh, Minister Albanier did a great job. He did a fantastic job ministering. It was great. We did one on, you know, millennials and stuff like that. It was fantastic. And, um, you know, we're going to have it again this, this Thursday at 5 p.m. Make sure you tune in. It's on Facebook and on YouTube live. You can watch it. You can go back if you haven't had an opportunity to watch the last one. And you can watch that online as well. But it's going to be, it's, it's a really beautiful program, I believe. All right. We good? Thank you. Stretch forth your hands. Let's bless this offering. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for everybody that gave to our offering today. Father, bless your people. Open up for them the windows of heaven. Pour them out blessings that they don't have room enough to receive. Shower them with the blessings and favor of God. Prosper your beautiful people. And Father, for we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. Amen. All right. Everybody stand up on your feet. Let me bless you as we get ready to leave. I pray that you got something out of service today, that you were blessed, that you were helped. I really believe that that was a word from God. So don't let it go in one ear and out the other. If you got somebody in your heart that you haven't forgiven, forgive them. Don't hold on to them. Release them. Let God deal with it. Amen. All right. Let me bless you. The Lord bless you. Keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious, merciful, and kind to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Grant you his holy peace. In Jesus' matchless name. I want anybody to say, I'm blessed and I can't be cursed. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. I love you. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you this upcoming week. Play the soundtrack. If you see someone in need, meet where they at. If you see someone that's hurt, hit them where they at. If you ever see a problem, home, solve it with this fact. If the Father put you through it, trust me, he gon' have your back. If you see someone in need, meet them where they at. If you see someone that's hurt, hit them where they at. If you ever see a problem, home, solve it with this fact. Come fellowship with us at the Love of Jesus Church of North Newark Led by Pastors Gavin and Tanya Taylor Where our mission is to find a need and meet it Find a hurt and heal it Find a problem and solve it